0: Welcome to Diner Talks with James. Slide into the booth and let's have conversations we never want to end. With friends we never want to leave. Over food we probably shouldn't be eating. My friends, what is going on? Welcome to another episode of Diner Talks with James. I'm James and I am super pumped to be here with you all. Y'all, I'm really pumped uh, also about the community that we are forming here in the diner. And I need you to do me a favor. Have you eaten at a good diner recently? What is the best late night spot that you have eaten in just maybe in the last couple of months, I would love. To, is it you know? Are you at a diner in the Northeast? Are you at a IHOP? Are you at a, a steak and shake? Are you at a Waffle House? Do you got a a great taco truck on the West Coast or something like that? I would love to know because we're back traveling again as speakers, and I am on the road, and I'm always looking for some greasy spoons and some places with stories to spend time in. So if you could do me a favor, go to Diner Talks with James on Instagram and uh, and just shoot me a quick DM over there. And and let me know what is the spot that you think I need to check out as I get back on the road and get to explore this heck of a United States we got here. And hopefully soon we get to do some international stuff. Y'all, let's jump in. We got my boy, Mike Domish, coming in to the diner, sliding into the squeaky booth with us today, and I'm pumped. He's someone who I have known for a long time, but only recently met in person for the first time, and uh, he was everything that I want him to be. Mike is the founder of The Center of Respect. They've educated hundreds of thousands of folks about overcoming negative societal influences and assumptions, consent, respect, relationships, bystander intervention, supporting survivors, building healthy relationships this place is incredible and i'm excited to have mike tell us more about it he speaks in over 70 cities a year around the globe he's been featured on dateline he's also got a really great podcast called the mutually amazing podcast exploring worth life and love He also passes out uh, shirts that say, can I kiss you? Just in case you wanted to know more about Mike Domish, that pretty much says it all. But I am excited to bring him out right now. Come on out here, Mike.
1: How you Um, doing today, brother? I'm doing great, James. I love that you paused when you said he passes out. And then you paused, and I thought, (laughs) well, when do I pass out? And then you said t-shirts. So I just love that little... A moment for the audience you know it's the power of the pause
0: that we as speakers have but it's a matter of where we put it Um, (laughs) very very true it's like uh it's like those those classic memes about where where the where the comma goes in the sentence and how quickly it can
1: change oh yeah (laughs) Uh, what's up mike how you doing today I'm doing wonderful. I'm just thrilled to be here with you, James. I, you know, when we, it was Vegas of all cities that that we met in for everybody listening. Uh, And it was such a joy to get to know you there because I have seen you in, you know, both social media and we have, we have mutual friends galore and yet never had that opportunity. And I just love your energy, your presence uh, and all you're doing out there thank you brother
0: uh, and i and i love what you have done uh for we'll just keep the compliment circle going i, I love <laughs> what you have done for the for the speaking industry um, and more importantly for the individuals that you've been able to touch to the center of respect it's just i've just it's always been something that I've watched from afar, and was like, "Yo, this dude is doing really cool work." And so, I'm I'm pumped to have you here. Well, uh, in the diner. But Mike, here's the thing: this show this show is called Diner Talks with James, not Dinner Talks with James, as a lot of people who introduce me on stage like to say. But <laughs> Diner Talks with James, and uh, and so. The reason why it's called that is because I think some of the best conversations in our lives occur late at night with the friends that you never want to leave over the food you probably shouldn't be eating. And so if that is the case, I'm wondering, do you have any late night guilty pleasure eating spots or, or foods that you like to eat? You know, I, I know that you're a father and that sometimes changes what the hours of the day look like <laughs> and what late night means. Um, but I'm wondering, do you have a late night food pleasure, guilty pleasure?
1: Well, I, I the irony of this is everything because the first time you and I actually talked, talked was at a late night sitting next at a restaurant with a group of 10 people. Mm-hmm. I think that was like 10 o'clock at night. We all were, you were sort of <laughs> wrapping up there. We joined you then. Um, and here's the thing. So I, I'm from the dad stage to the grandpa stage. So all Ooh. my kids are out of the house. I'm empty nested for the most part. So uh, my schedule is not in the that old parenting schedule. However... <laughs> However, uh, age has changed my body's willingness to eat certain things. So it has changed my ability to eat at diners because I found out recently I have to be gluten-free. Oh, Uh, yeah. That knocks out the diner world pretty dramatically. (laughs) Uh, So I used to be an ice cream late night person. And then, and I still can be, is the chips. So Mm. uh, I love to dive in some good guac and chips. Uh, that's my thing, uh, and so that's my my weakness.
0: That's the weakness, right there. Yeah. Are you, are you making your own guacamole?
1: No, you, I'm, I'm too lazy. I get the thing? I get the mini <laughs> I get the mini little thing you rip off and you have it packet right there for the dish. I, no I'm shame. lazy. I'm lazy when it comes to that. I mean,
0: if you decided to make guacamole at ten o'clock at night, I'd be impressed. So I don't blame you for doing what you're doing. <laughs>
1: Make now it you, simple. That's my philosophy with food. Exactly,
0: exactly. Uh, now, uh, your accent isn't hiding anything, brother. Fortunately, I don't have an accent because I speak perfect New Yorkese. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you are from the Midwest. You born and raised Wisconsin, Chicagoland. Like where? Where do you? Where do you claim home?
1: So yes, and yes. Born in Illinois, okay. uh, but raised in Wisconsin. At age six, moved to Wisconsin, uh, and have been here, Southern Wisconsin, ever since.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love it. So when you were growing up man, what what was the dream? What what did what what what, oh. what did young Mike
1: want to be? What Young what Mike that? knew what he wanted to be all along. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, he was going to be an actor on Broadway. Oh okay. And so that's what I pursued and that's what I went to college for and studied in college. So that was the that was the dream, the pursuit and I loved it. That's awesome. Now
0: uh so on Broadway so you so you got the singing, the dancing, all the, no. all the- Uh, no No.
1: i so i have (laughs) this i have the dancing i i to this day i love to dance so i live to dance if i get the opportunity uh so the dancing yes the acting was my major thing and the singing was the struggle of those categories so (laughs) i was not likely going to be found in a musical on broadway
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Or if you were, it wouldn't be in a singing role. Correct, exactly. (laughs) Uh, That is incredible. What is Growing up, did you have a dream role that you wanted? Like, were you like, oh, I want to be Nathan Detroit and guys and dolls? No, I
1: didn't have that. What I would do, so I was the youngest of four and I was four years younger than everybody else. So everybody else was like two years apart than me. So I would be home alone a lot because by the time I hit 14, everybody was gone. So I would... I know this sounds weird, but I would mimic being a talk show host and I would play both characters. <laughs> so awesome. I would be the interviewer interviewing the actor and I'd be the actor performing, answering the questions uh, and just have fun trying to be creative that way and, and do silly different things. I, I would do morning, you know, high school morning announcements. Yep. I did them in characters. Incredible. So to the point I got in trouble, but I, I had a blast doing it. Yeah.
0: Here's a fun fact that we didn't know about each other. I did the same exact thing. The the talk show thing. I know, but I didn't do that. That's weird. Um, no, I, no, I'm <laughs> Oh, I'm playing. <laughs> it, it is my dream to be a talk show host i mean that's the that's the ultimate dream for diner talks okay is to have this like get shot with three cameras um and and stuff like that like that that is that's the dream for diner talks with james um yeah. and that's what we're trying to build towards but uh so i do love the talk show idea but no i also did the morning announcements in school and did them in characters and love got it. in and got in trouble what uh, character got you in trouble uh well this is a shame to admit publicly but here we go um so I did the Pledge of Allegiance in a uh, Latino Hispanic accent gotcha and, and the did...
1: irony of that with what you do today right I mean yes, uh, yes correct yeah. no, and exactly. I think we can both have moments like that we can look <laughs> back and going oh my gosh my current mic would be appalled if, if, uh, mm-hmm. if that yeah absolutely we've been there uh, that, that's so yeah. intriguing.
0: And and the unfortunate part is that I didn't get in trouble because of like the social justice angle or right. the inappropriate angle. It was the defamation of character at, at our at the, of the pledge allegiance, right? Like that was right. the issue with my with my principal. Um, so yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, what a time, what a time. But I got Always. to keep doing it because I because the boys got charisma and I schmoozed them into letting me keep going.
1: <laughs> Hi. Well, my, I had two that got me in trouble. I remember the church lady. Yeah. So I did a church lady impression uh, of advertising a school dance. And I mentioned gyrating your buttocks. (laughs) Wasn't that nice? And then I did this whole little thing. And by the time the sentence got out of my mouth, the assistant principal was on my side, out of their office and right there in my face, waiting for that thing to get shut shut off. Um, (laughs) And had some choice words for me about words that can be used on a microphone and I'm like, it was buttocks. It wasn't, you know, I didn't swear. I didn't. And then the other time I got in trouble was good morning, Vietnam. And (laughs) I did, I did good morning, whitewater high school. And I did it at full volume into the mic. I didn't even know it. The windows were shaking in the cafeteria. (laughs) You didn't pull back. I didn't pull back (laughs) and people either loved it or yeah. hated me for waking them up yeah. because you know, this is the start of school. So I didn't get in trouble with the school for that one. I got more backslash from students because what are you doing? It's 8 AM. So uh, it was, you know, just funny. You have yeah. to, you have to laugh.
0: You have to laugh. And it sounds like it worked. I mean, you know, it did what it was supposed (laughs) to do. Right, exactly right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Especially uh, a fitting uh, fitting, uh, thing to talk about, too, as I believe yesterday or the day before was the seventh anniversary of Robin Williams' passing. So hard to believe. uh, It's incredible. uh, He was was a hero of mine uh, and uh, still is, really. Um, And so, yeah, that's uh, one that still gets me. But, yeah, yeah. I would say he was the first celebrity – uh, the first celebrity death that really like truly impacted me. Like I remember like truly being somber and mourning and, uh, and just, yeah, it was, he was the, he was the first one. Others, others have been, uh, very sad as well. Don't get me wrong, but I think, yeah, I mean, it just speaks to the impact that he had, had made on me and the one that I'd look forward to him continue to have.
1: That's powerful. I, yeah. uh, I remember his mentor had a major impact on me. Do you know who his mentor was early on? Who is, I don't know who his mentor is. Jonathan Winters. Jonathan Winters, okay. So he would bring Jonathan Winters on Mork & Mindy because he was his mentor. Remember, Jonathan Winters played like the baby in the diaper kind of thing, the huge, mm-hmm. oh, that's the way they played it, right, that type of a thing at the time. Uh, and he, that was one of his early mentors. And Jonathan Winters had written a book of short stories that were just wildly creative and unique and different. And that was one of the first books I ever read by anybody creative uh, in any way or form. And I think I was in high school, maybe beginning of high school. I don't remember the year, but um, maybe even sooner than that. But it, yeah, I got blown away by Jonathan Winters.
0: That's incredible. Uh, that, and I, I forgot that he was Robin's, uh, Robin's mentor. That's
1: a, one of, I don't know. I don't want to say the, but I yeah, know that he sure. had a big influence on him.
0: Huge influence for sure. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, Mike, we're growing up in uh, in, in Wisconsin slash Illinois. We are. Uh, we're, we know that we want to be on Broadway, um, and that that's what we're pointing the ship at. Uh, that doesn't. Pan out, or maybe it did pan out, and I
1: don't know about that part of
0: your history. Did did, did it pan out? So here's what happened.
1: Uh, (laughs) It was it was rocking. So I go to Chicago. I go to Loyola University of Chicago, and I go into theater. Beautiful campus. I love it there. I will right on the water. That's the campus we were on, Mm -hmm. and I love it there. I love the people. I love the professors. And right away, I'm getting cast, and I'm like, all right. And I was really excited because I was way behind the other kids. So Mm -hmm. the other students in the theater program had theater programs. And our high school had theater productions that were very successful, but no theater classes. Right. Yeah. Same here. So, so they were way ahead of me on Shakespeare, on everything. So the fact that I was scrappy enough to get these parts and do things, I was feeling really good. And then my sophomore year, I became a stage manager of the first opening show as a sophomore. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, this is really rocking, right? This is going incredible and then I received a note on my door when I came back to my dorm room. Uh, this is really just starting the semester, but we had to be there two weeks early because of the show. Call home immediately. That was the note on my door. I'm like, what the heck? So I go into the dorm, you know, it's dorm rooms, we call them dorms. All gotcha. now, now it's back to dorms. Remember when you weren't allowed to say that on a campus, you had to say it residence. The D hall. word. You the Yes. Word. And now it's, now it's, they're saying it regularly, but for, you know, about ten years ago, you're like if you said that you'd get in oh, trouble. Yeah, but, but I went. I'm in my dorm. I pick up the phone because you actually had to pick up a you know a phone that you touched and dialed uh, and called home to find out the. I have three older sisters. The youngest of those three older sisters had been raped, and everything would change overnight. Um, I it would strike me to my core. I was lost. I was confused. I was filled with rage and anger. And over the next few months, one of the things that would really bother me is, how can I be in this career and be a family person? Mm. Because my family had been rocked. And uh, I remember we had gone, my grandmother would pass away a few months later, several months later. And I remember coming home from that, thinking, this isn't the right field for family. Uh, And... Uh, and I started questioning it then. That's when I started questioning it. But I was still rocking. That was my freshman year. Uh, I should, so I should take that back, yeah. Um, that was my freshman year that that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get the call after that. So first I'm thinking that. And then that call rocks me into thinking, um, one, just lost confusion. But over the months, this, I, I can't be the person I'm going to want to be as a human being. Forget actor. Uh, if I stay this route. That's what I sold in my mind. Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't mean that's true at all. But that's what I sold in my mind, and so I transferred home uh, to University of Wisconsin Whitewater, and everybody who knew me thought something else was going on—not just my sister's salt, which was plenty obviously tra- tragedy-wise—but they thought well, you're leaving your dreams. What is there gambling going on? Is there addiction issues going on? Yeah, did you get kicked uh, out right? something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, no, to no, to no. Uh, I this I need to make a change and. So I transferred back home and I my mom was the college coach of the team there, the swim team. And I was a swimmer. And I joined the team and we were mandated to go see a speaker. And that speaker was on sexual assault. This is in 1990, which was very unheard of at the time. Very. Yeah. Very unheard of. And I heard him speak and I thought, oh, my gosh. I can do something about this with my voice. And I went up to him and I said, Hey, I want to speak. And you know, as a speaker, how many times we hear that. And he said, well, you show up at my place. I'll give you what I got. I got lucky. He was a national speaker that was in Madison in less than an hour. I showed up and he said, no one shows up. No one. That's true. No one. You and I know this to be true. That's correct. Uh, He said, you showed up and he gave me everything he had. I went out, wrote my own program, went to my local high school teachers I knew Said, can I give this in your classroom? I did. They said, this is what you should be doing. This is what we need in the world, and that's where it all began. Brother, what, what a, what a series
0: of uh, events that uh, eventually led to something really powerful and beautiful. But uh, damn, what a journey to get there. Uh, there's, there's a number of things that struck me. First off, I, w- I want to thank you for your, your candidness in, in sharing something so vulnerable, uh, you, know, you know, with me, uh, with us. And, and that I really appreciate that. Um, and I know even though, yes, you tell that story on stage and you talk more about it and whatnot, that doesn't necessarily mean that it just rolls off the tongue easy peasy. Um, and so I just I just want to acknowledge um, uh, and thank you for that. Um <clears throat> I also, and I, we will also come back to some more, a little bit more of that as well in talking about sexual assault. I think specifically we as men um, can have some really powerful conversations that we need to be having and are not necessarily doing it right now. Um, so we will certainly come back to that. The, one of the things that struck me as, as I was listening is that you immediately knew in that moment how important family was to you and not just current family, but future family right? Like your brain immediately jumped into this. And I'm trying to think about, I don't, I don't know when I knew that family was like super critical to me. I obviously, I, I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate. I didn't have a, uh, a crucible moment like that, um, that would, that would snap me into it. Um, but just that idea that you knew at that moment that my future family, my current family, I need to be in the mix and I don't want a career that is potentially going to, uh, take me out of it. What was it that, I mean, was your family unit super strong growing up? Is that something that you kind of always had where you're just like family is everything. Was that something that was instilled in you um, from a very young age as a cultural thing? um, Or uh, was that something where all of a sudden you made the choice where you're like family is everything I'm doing this. I think a lot
1: of the first and a little of the second. So I grew up in a family where we were very close with my mom's side Uh, Just location, geographically, everything, and the culture of their family unit. So my mom was the oldest of four girls, four women, uh, and they were as tight as tight could ever be throughout Mm -hmm. life. Two of them still here with us, thankfully. Two have passed, unfortunately. Uh, Their kids, our cousins, and us were always like this. We were close. Now, we didn't have the ability to be next to each other like mobility has now. Uh, our our kids generation has we didn't have that but we were close and so there was only one other guy somebody who identified as a male in that mix and it was a very a women dominant uh mm-hmm. family and and he so for me I felt like he was almost like a brother you know because he was 6 years younger but it was like having you know sort of like younger brother yeah, and yeah. and it was it wasn't that my parents preached family. It was just the way it was lived. So I remember going to my sister's cross-country meets. There were, my sisters were incredibly successful athletes. Incredibly. I mean, the Sherry, the the athlete, the the sister that I spoke of, the survivor, was a division one Big Ten athlete, you know, so they were incredibly successful athletes. And I would be screaming my lungs out at them as they ran by, cheering them to the point they got annoyed. Like, hey, little brother, (laughs) cut that out. So, um, and I'm not exaggerating, unfortunately, you're ruining, Uh, you're ruining my stride. Exactly. So (laughs) I just think annoying more than anything, but, um, and that's just the way, you know, we grew up. Uh, so that was a big piece of it. I grew up with a mom and her sisters that were super tight. They created the cousins to be tight, uh, that I looked up to my sisters. That was huge. I did. I looked up to my sisters and, and my grandma was very somebody that I really loved and adored. She loved to dance. I loved to dance. Mm-hmm. So keep in mind, I remember when I said the story a little backwards earlier, because she passed away uh, before I'd get that phone call. That's okay. what I tried to reverse the order. And that was what the, one of the first moments. It was driving them from that mm-hmm. when I thought, hmm, can I have family? And then this rocked my family. Yes. Right. And so that would change that. Now I'm going to jump ahead 30 years. Because okay. I, I don't want to forget this part. Because this is maybe what I love most. The pandemic hits. Um, my mom and dad have 16 grandchildren. So my four young men, sons, they have 12 cousins. Mm. The pandemic hits, they immediately start doing hangouts on Zoom as cousins, since nobody can go out and party. right? Everybody's in their 20s or 18 to 24-ish. That group, about 10 of them, to this day, are still getting together every month, still doing things with each other. One of my sons lives in a home that they bought with his cousin. That's awesome. So uh, this gives you an idea of how close they are. When they turn 21, that group is all celebrating together. That person's, they're going out and partying with their cousins. So it's really cool to have watched what my mom's generation built being now passed down that many generations further. Uh, so yes, there's there's a cultural element without a doubt.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful.
1: That's yeah, I really love beautiful.
0: it. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh and every family's different and every family does what they need to do for them. Uh it's that's right. it's, it's, it's cool to hear. Uh, it's cool to hear about yours. So when we think about the role that, you know, like the mom played with the matriarch um, and uh, and that, you know, I don't I don't know what the role that your father played in this as well. But in uh, you, you established something called the Center for Respect. Um, and, and we'll talk a little bit about what what you all do. But I want to focus on this word respect first. Now, that's a big one. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm wondering, was respect something that was taught to you something that was expected of you something that you know was uh was given to you was it something that you had to earn you know like what like how did respect happen or how was it talked about and taught in your household growing up i don't remember conversations around the word respect
1: okay i next question
0: so i do remember
1: (laughs) i do remember role modeling it so and what was expected of us? I remember just the understanding of that. So, you brought up the mother father relationship. I grew up in a unique home for its time. I think now would be a not as maybe unique, mm-hmm. but I had two parents who were highly successful in their careers. Okay. Which, as you know, in the 70s and 80s, uh, that was a tough road for a lot of women to have success in their careers. It doesn't mean there weren't a lot of women having success. It was just a tough road. and can still be a tough road for many people today. So I grew up with two very strong personalities who had achieved at a very high level, mm. very different paths. So my dad was the dean of a business school. And in fact, at the time, uh, he, when he retired, he's one of the longest standing deans in the United States. Wow. Yes. And at one time, one of the 10 largest undergrad business schools in the country. So I had watched him go from a family of nobody going to college till he did Mm -hmm. and accomplishing all he did. My mom from a family where nobody where college was not an option going to becoming a college head coach Mm. without a college education, which is once again, almost unheard of. Yes. And so I saw these people and the way they operated and the expectation of how things work. When my mom set a rule, it was the rule. So let me give you an example by that. You show up late to practice, that's 100 hundred pushups. You show up late two days in a row, that's 200 pushups. And you know what, you knew you were gonna do them. And her philosophy was, if you're not gonna be in the water, I'm gonna at least get it stronger. stronger. Yeah. So, and everybody <laughs> knew that she would hold you to it. And the weird part was, and the sad part was, if that's a male coach, they're like, oh, he's tough, he's this, right? Yeah. But if that's a woman coach, it, there's other words that aren't 100%. as as celebrated. And what's interesting is to, I know many because those are my teammates over the years. And so I know them now in their 30s and 40s. And how many still speak to the discipline she taught them in their lives and how much she impacted their lives. She is still coaching today. <laughs> that's crazy. So <laughs> she is. Yeah, she's 79. And she is still coaching today. And that's kind of impact she has on lives. So both my parents had a great impact. I was a swimmer. So my mom was my coach. My mom was my coach growing up. My mom was my, the little time I swam in college, it wasn't much. My mom was my coach. I would go on to coach swimming at at the high school level. And that was built off what I learned from my mom. So there's a, there's absolutely a very strong influence from both sides. Uh, and it was about the way they handled situations. I think that role modeling, uh, respect was built in there even though we didn't talk about the word.
0: Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, for sure, that uh, true true leadership by example. Yes. Yeah, <clears throat> that's awesome. Respect was something, is something that was talked about in my household. Uh, my dad was very big on respect. Uh, and still, uh, like I said, still is, uh, you know, to the point where, you know, I am, I'm, I'm 39 now. And if I get introduced to one of his friends that I haven't met, it's, uh, this is Mr. Anselmo, right? right. And if Mr. Anselmo was like, you can call me Rick. My dad's like, no, he can't
1: <laughs> at the age of 39. <laughs> so what we, I'd love to dive into James on that. I, I find if, I always find these interesting. What did he, how did your dad define respect?
0: So, I mean, respect. He's very, mid, very big on generational respect, right? Like you respect your elders, uh, you respect individuals who have, have come before you. Um, so, very big on that. Um, and so, it's everything was Mr. Mrs. Miss, like that kind of stuff. Uh, and uh, also the way that you uh talk to other individuals like you you carry yourself at a place that is that is respectful right so like the tomfoolery and the joking around like that has to be earned and but you don't you don't just start with that you start with very respectful conversations um yes sir no ma'am uh kind of kind of situations and that's that was really big of, of how he defined it i think also the way that he um like there were there were moments where he would Literally tell me you will respect me. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm uh, dashingly witty. And, um, <laughs> and sometimes, uh, sometimes my voice can get me in a little bit of trouble. And by sometimes I mean all the time, but uh, still, um, so sometimes that wit comes back to bite me cause it's at the wrong time or place. Um, and there were a number of times where my dad, he would like, kind of like pop me in the sternum just a little bit mm-hmm. right And I'm not like crazy and take my breath away or anything like that, but it, the sternum you popped in the sternum, you feel it. Um, and he, 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 he just kind of like with his fingertips was popping in the sternum a couple of times. and be like, you will respect me um and so uh whether that was because i was making jokes or being fresh or or whatever um so respect was definitely something that uh i was told to do not necessarily something that was earned right it was expected um and that's kind of how that's kind
1: of how he led and i would love to dive in on that if we could i just do it so because so much of how we have these conversations is around etiquette Mm -hmm. right listen to how dad taught it right it was etiquette focused Yes. You will say, mister, you will say, I was raised in the same. You said, mister, and you said, yes, you always said, please. And thank you. We, I remember cousins from an, on the other side of the country we were hanging out with some wow, How do you guys get in trouble if you don't say yes and please, because this is crazy. Everything going down at the dinner tables. May I please thank you. And you didn't, <laughs> you didn't get up from the dinner table. And this is, I mean, my sisters were watching this. They'd, they'd be agreeing. And my mom and dad would be laughing about this. They know it's true. Uh, thank you very much for dinner. May I please be excused? And thank you. You know, that was that kind of a, that's how you left the dinner. That's how you got an opportunity to leave the dinner table. Yeah. Uh, You know, something along those lines. Um, And it was etiquette based and it was honor based, Mm -hmm. which is different than how do you see me? Yeah. Which is a very different discussion of respect, right? How do, how do we see ourselves? How do we see the person talking in front of us? Mm -hmm. You know, um, our dad's generation telling us you will respect us was something they were taught, right? That that was a message. You will respect me versus what's it going to take for you to respect me? I mean, imagine a dad looking their kid in the eye and going, what's it going to take for you to respect me? Yeah, which is a very different conversation than you will, because the you will is actually an honor. You will honor me is really what that means. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's a powerful switch in
1: words. Yeah, because that's what they want. Mm -hmm. They want you to honor their role, right? So, So it goes back to the discussion of, and we all do this. So it's not about our dads, right? We all can do this at different times. Even if we don't say it out loud to someone, you will respect me. Almost all of our subconscious at some point in a month says, they will respect me. Like somebody saying something and and being dismissive and our subconscious might not say it out loud, might not even say it in those words, but it's acting with an attitude of, you better respect me right now, right? Even if we don't say it out loud. And, and, but what we tend to be talking about is honoring. You -hmm. better be honoring me. Uh, When I ask people what respect means to them, corporate offices, students, the same two words show up everywhere to be seen and valued.
0: Mm. Yep.
1: Which is very different than to follow the protocol of hierarchy. Right. Yeah.
0: To be yeah, put on a pedestal or whatever.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. right. So it di- I love where this conversation can go because, I, and I realized that level of respect later in life. I, I wish I understood that better when I would, my kids were younger because I think it would have changed how I also use the word yeah. in, early on and uh, in, in its own use uh, parenting because I think that changes everything. I don't, I hate the statement. You will, you have to earn my respect. Yes. It is, it is one of the few times I would ever use the word hate, but I despise it and because it's all hierarchy based. Right. So that's about power. That has nothing to do with respect. Mm-hmm. Because the moment you say, hey Mike, you, ha- you have to earn my respect. Oh, so you get to choose whether I'm a value or not. yeah, That's how this works. Oh, so then when I get to your position, somebody above me will also get to choose again. Mm -hmm. So this is all who's above who to choose whether you're worthy versus I'm going to always give you respect. Now, whether you treat me with it back, that's your call, but I'm always going to give you respect. That doesn't mean I have to trust you. That doesn't mean I have to like you. That doesn't mean I have to believe a word you say but I'm going to see and value you as a human being Mm -hmm. every time you're in front of me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's like the, I mean, I'm sure you've heard the stories of the people that uh, will sit down at a restaurant and their server will come over and they'll put like a hundred dollar bill on the table right away. And they said, that's your tip. Every single time you do something wrong or that I don't like, I'm going to take some money away. Right? Like it's that, that again, that, 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 thirst for power. Power is such a fascinating uh, entity that, uh, that we all, that we all deal with and are impacted by um, both our own internal struggles with it and externally. Right. I mean, we look at, we, we look at any politics. It's about power. Uh, We look at, uh, you know, all of the isms, racism, sexism, ableism, age, like all the isms, right. Um, That's about power. Um, and about people being afraid of losing power, right? the The U.S. census just came out, and the and the country is now ten percent more diverse than it was in twenty ten. It was like thirty six percent, and now it's like forty six or forty four or something like that. There are a lot of people that are going to read those numbers and think, "Damn it, we got to figure something out," right? Um, because uh, of of insecurity around losing power. But really, the perception of power, and so uh, this idea of power and respect—I I, I love, uh, I love, I love the way you spoke about it. This idea of like, you will honor me, and and this question that you asked—I want to come back to of what do I have to do uh, to earn your respect? That. I'm trying to think I'm a new parent, as you know, um, and you're uh, very new parent, very new, seven months in, seven months, almost eight. um, And uh, I'm like, would I ever, this is a conversation I will remember for a long time or or I can already tell, but it's like, would I ever sit my son down at whatever age that that was a a question that could actually have a conversation around it um, and say, what do I have to do to earn your respect? Right now, I think my answer is no,
1: but I'm willing to have my mind changed. (laughs) Well, I don't, I'm not saying that's a question you should ever ask. I'm saying that that's a more real question than you will respect me. I don't Um, think either should be in play. I think, I think the ideal conversation is no matter how mad you get at me, no matter how frustrated you get with me, I am going to treat you with respect. And all I'm going to ask is that I'm going to ask you, because I believe every human being deserves that, that you do the same for me, for your mother, for whoever the partnership situation is, uh, that you do that for your, your siblings, that it, with everything goes wrong, that respect is still the foundation. That's what I'm going to ask of you. Mm-hmm. And, and that will be a standard of expectation in this house. And so when respect is people do not treat each other with respect, there's consequences. And here they are. There's nothing wrong with setting a cultural expectation.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Nothing, right? Family values. Yeah, um, they. Something got. Yeah, setting them is really important. Tina and I talk about that. Um, my wife's name, you matter. Um, yes. Yeah, Tina and I and she rocks. And those have not met her. She rocks. We've talked about like, hey, you know, where in our house are we going to write some of our values? Some of our, you know, we have uh, rules is too strong of a word, but you know what I mean, like that kind of thing. Right. Um, and so, what what's going to go on that list um, <clears throat> that is memorable because it's got to be short and tight uh <laughs> that's a, a strong mission statement um right yeah. <laughs> so yeah uh that is uh that yeah that's it's, it's just interesting to think about and i i love the I, I love being everybody on this earth deserves to feel seen heard and respected um and uh and and, and valued and uh i think we can also agree that in our country right now, there's a lot of individuals that are more interested in being right than what is right. Yeah. Um, right. And that, and that's hurting us. It kind of also comes back to, uh, to power. It also comes back to, it's easier to assume, assume than it is to learn, right. Those kinds of things. Um, and so you, built this, this center for respect, uh, to teach this gigantic concept, which is simple in theory of, I want to be seen, I want to be valued. Um, but is so much deeper in how we actually arrive at making someone feel seen, heard, respected, valued. Uh, and so I'm wondering, you know, what like how I'm trying to think about how to phrase this. I'm wondering it's like how does how does one teach that? Like how how are you all trying to teach that right now with the the opportunities that you have with the audience you interact with? Well,
1: I, I have to go backwards because being totally transparent, I was didn't start as a Center for Respect. I started as the Date Safe Project. Okay. So that when I first started creating my own organization, where we realized, hey, this is what we're going to do full time. I just don't want to be book Mike Damish. I want to create something that that creates. Curriculum and other things, and more than we were the Date Safe Project because we were working in schools and universities by far the most. And then we started working with the military. And then in the last few years, some business level, we were like, hey, can you help us transform our culture? What you're doing with the military, if you can do it there, you can do it for us. Yeah. And we realized the Date Safe Project, the name alone is going to make people think who would bring that to a company? Who would yeah. bring that to? So in 2019, we became the Center for the ah, okay. Okay. Yes. And what was interesting about it, James, was that as I was sitting there going, it was an, I was at this big event with all these business influencers. Nobody in my field, uh, high-level internet marketers, business influencers, and somebody on stage made a comment that made me think we're we're not we're so much more than what we've been saying we are. Mm-hmm. And right there, the ta-da moment happened of Center for Respect, and I actually thought, oh my gosh. I'll never be able to call myself that. Clearly there's probably a hundred center for respects. This was in 2019, right? There's gotta be a million of them. Not one in the world. Got the dot com and everything. Not (laughs) one in the world of all the center fours. Yes. There was no center for respect in the entire world. The only close thing to it was a place that was center for respect and, 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 like it was all these things. Um, And it was through a university and we're like, oh my gosh, this told me even more. This is needed if there, there isn't even somebody addressing it this directly. And I always knew that respect was the core of everything I did. We just didn't lead with it, but it was the core foundation of everything I did. So that moment would change my perspective on how much we can be positively impacting the world just directly, let's talk about what we're talking about, and that is respect. So how we do that, for me, is through speaking. Keynote, training, those are the two most common ways we make the impact. That could be anything from an association bringing me in to talk to companies, to corporate leadership bringing me into their CEOs and their leadership team, and putting me, we're in there for three hours, all 10, 12 of us, diving deep into the things they're already doing, they're not aware of, and it doesn't make them monsters so Mm -hmm. one of the biggest problems in this line of work and you're probably aware of this james is that if we have this conversation then i'm admitting i've done something wrong and that makes me on the same plateau as the predator out there and therefore i don't want to have these conversations because i'm not the predator out there so they run from the conversation so if i say hey you're acting with some disrespect uh, are you saying I'm the next Cosby? Are you saying the next this? That's sort of the self-defense mechanism in the world right now.
0: 100%.
1: And what we realized is I was able to come up with a formula before the, even the name change. I created this in about 17, 18, um, called the nine daily displays of disrespect. That almost all of us engage in at least one of them, if not four of them, every week, if not every day. Yeah. And I would say these and people were like, oh, I do four, five, and six. Uh, I do one, three, seven. And yeah. there. And what was beautiful about it is nobody was shying away from it. They were saying, I do these things. I've seen myself as you talk. Yeah, I don't want to be that person anymore. So then we give them the nine daily choices for respect. Mm. So this is very subtle. This is not the what people expect when they hire, see the name or what I do. Oh, you do sexual harassment training. No, because we're already too late to the discussion. Right.
0: Yeah, isn't that sad but true?
1: Right. So, <laughs> yeah. the, the analogy I give people all the time when they look at it, they'll go, let's say there's an organization, whether it's an educational institution or it's a business. Okay. Uh, they have this, let's say their building is a skyscraper that represents them. Okay. And on the 17th floor is diversity. And on mm-hmm. the 18th floor is harassment and sexual violence. And they're saying, wow, we got problems on the 17th floor. We got problems on the 18th floor. No. You were cracked at the foundation. It starts to show on the 17th and 18th floor. That's mm. where it starts to show. Mm. The foundation it was, is what needs to be reinforced. And that's what we do. We help them reinforce the foundation. And so that you don't have the cracks in the 17th and 18th. And when they even start to show, everybody goes, there's a crack and it's not okay.
0: Yeah.
1: So that we can do something about that. So to give you just a quick example, because people go, what, what can these nine things be that don't insult people? interrupting. I do it. something I do. Yep. It's one of the nine. It's absolutely a sign of disrespect. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to disrespect. I'm in my own head getting excited and I want to jump in, but I yeah. am disrespecting the other person's voice, their thought, Rube. their brilliance, yeah. everything with that. That's one of the nine. Yeah. Flip side of that, silence. Somebody comes in the room, it's your partner, whoever's is super excited to share with you. And you're like, did I not just talk for like 30 seconds with all my passion in the world? And, <laughs> and instead of telling you, now they're an analytical thinker, right? So yeah. the, what they're thinking is, I need to think this over. But they sit there in silence. So you're under the impression you're being ignored. Yeah. Versus if they had, somebody just taught them to say, I really want to give this some thought. There's some real, a lot there. Would you mind if I get back to you in an hour or tomorrow? Because I really want to think this out, everything mm-hmm. you're sharing with me. That's a game changer versus yeah. silence. So those are two quick examples that are very opposite.
0: Yes. Uh, but both, yeah, both. I, I totally see how they are seen as disrespectful, right? It's, I mean, a lot of time it's uh, intent versus impact. You know, so many things come back to that. Yes, they uh, do. And uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, that is, uh, that's powerful. And, you know, and going back to your, the building analogy is great, uh, you know, I, have, uh, I do a lot of work in the university space as well and I uh, talk to a lot of fraternity men. And uh, when we talk about uh, just, you know, what's going on in the organization and, and accountability and stuff like that. You know, they're always like, Hey, we got a few bad apples. You know, we got, you know, we got a couple of guys over here, you know, um, you know, they're not really doing the right thing to making the rest of us look bad. And I was like, no, you're, you're all making yourself look bad. You don't have a bad apple problem. You have a tradition problem. You have a power problem. You have an accountability problem. Um, right. <clears throat> and yeah. they don't want to hear all that. Because it's way easier to blame Rick than it is to blame us. and so, yet, yet they won't yes. kick Rick out. Absolutely not. No, no, it's a boy. It's one of the boys. No, you can't
1: do right, that. Right. Where would Rick go? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. And, and James, yeah. what I love about that, you and I teach the same way this. Because uh, same with the military or universities, you know, this time of the year, I'm, you and I are on stages every day at a campus. Mm-hmm. And that that same mentality, well, that's one out of a, uh, 10 that are the trouble. no. It's the nine of you watching. It's the nine of you watching, maybe even encouraging some of it, maybe even degrading the victim while it's happening. Yeah. It's the nine. If it was truly only the one, everybody would be appalled and, and stop the one. Mm-hmm. But nobody's stopping the one, which means it's the 10 because right. no one's stopping the one. And I love what you said about intent because it's a major issue right now. Impact versus intent. People go, Well, I can't control how other people hear my words. Well, why do you say them then? <laughs> what in the world is the purpose of your words if not to have impact?
0: Yep. Yeah. Well,
1: I mean, I do mean for so it matters what they what you're how you're impacting. And if you're hurting others, then you need to own it. I've I've absolutely done it myself. And if anybody ever tries to go, oh, I've never done that. That's, there's no way you're a human being. So you'll love this one because it's a mutual friend. I'm at an event and a fellow speaker says, I believe the way to wealth and speaking is through writing. He's struggling at the time. And he says that he's very open about that. And I said, are you sure about that? He said, well, what do you mean by that? And I say, well, how's that working for you? (laughs) And he's like, well, and this is what he said. I don't normally start on stage, but are you just trying to be an ass or do you have a point? That's what he said to me. Yeah. Jess pipes up and goes, Jess is a mutual friend of James and I, and says, Mike, if we didn't all know how much you are, how giving you are, where your heart is, uh, we might think you're an ass, but we know that you do all this to help us and out of love. And I, at that moment in my life, this was a long time ago, this was like 10 years ago, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm loving, I'm giving. I didn't hear the ass part. Like I just went right past it because I heard the words I wanted to hear. Right. And then I would go through this self-development program a couple of years later where I would learn how self-righteous that can come off and that people saw me that way. And it destroyed me, Mm. destroyed me. And I would remember that day, that moment where Jess said that as where I should have seen the impact, but I was so blind to my intent that I forgot about the impact. And that's when everything would shift for me and how I would language when I talk to people. Instead of saying, you're sure about that, now it was, what about this possibility, right? Which is just the same information in a much more uh, loving manner of empathy versus telling you what to do. Le- it's all, uh,
0: leaning a little towards optimism as well. Yeah, uh, yes, right? it's, uh, yes. Well,
1: yeah. <clears throat> what about
0: this uh, yeah. opportunity, possibility? Yeah, uh, Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> um, yeah, I love that. And yeah, it's it's so funny the way I mean, uh, again, I mean, I do this all the time. I put my foot in my mouth in my in my marriage um, and uh, in, in regular conversations where I think I'm asking what is a helpful question, but I have asked the question in the wrong tone or use or, or just added like that one extra word that didn't need to be. It's like, if you just took out that one word, it would have sounded great. But like that (laughs) one word, just like took it to snarky or took it to whatever sarcasm, potentially. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, Uh, yeah, that's, that's some real stuff. And what's
1: real about it. It was, that's not nativity. That's our subconscious showing it's real feelings Mm -hmm. in a way to hurt because we feel hurt right when we're using when we're adding those words it's for a reason and it's usually because we're hurt so we throw back right that that's what people do as human beings and these are the conversations people aren't having that's why i love you're doing this james because everybody tries to act like only those people do that this is human existence right (laughs) so how can we be more intentional about it moving forward
0: yeah. It's almost like hurt people, hurt people. Uh, right. <laughs> that, that, that famous phrase. Yeah. Uh, and we yeah.
1: all are hurt sometimes.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Welcome yeah. to the human being club. Right. Um, right. <laughs> now, yeah. Now acknowledge it and do something about it. That's just Um, it. <laughs> so yeah. So let's, let's go back to this, uh, a couple of things that you meant. I want to, I want to, I want to tie some stuff together. You told us the, the, you, you told us the, the the very short version, and this is totally acceptable of of what happened with your sister when you were in college um, and and now we're talking about uh, about the idea of the, well, that's, that's not my problem, right? Like it's, you know, like litter on the ground. I didn't, I, that's not, my, I didn't leave it there, right? That's not my dish in the sink. That's not my whatever, right? Like that kind of thing. That's not, I'm not the one that, uh, that, that I don't go around raping people. I'm not a, a problem. I don't harass individuals, right? Like this, they're all, they all sound the same. Um, and so, um, we know that, uh, when it comes to sexual assault sexual violence uh, I, I forget if it's you know eight out of ten nine out of ten you probably know the numbers it, it typically is uh, someone is a male to a female as far as doing that but men men are not uh, um uh, immune to being, uh, assaulted themselves. Uh, but either way, I would love to talk to you a little bit about men, um, and some of the work that we can do, some of the, those bad apple scenarios or, or those moments where, you know, how can we get individuals who are not directly doing something wrong? They didn't do the thing that was illegal. They didn't hurt the individual. They didn't cause trauma. They didn't, uh, whatever, whatever it was. Um, <clears throat> uh, but yet, They could have had influence in that moment, or or before the moment. They, because of the patterns, because of traditions, because of silence, um, because of "not my problem," uh, nothing ever happened. And meanwhile, if any of those accountability moments happened earlier, maybe this one moment, you know, that this woman could have been spared a a lifetime of trauma. Um, And so, um, I'm wondering, how do you? get individuals who are don't ever think that they're the problem to recognize that, okay, sure, you're not technically part of the problem, but by not doing anything, you are kind of the problem. But more importantly, we don't have to worry about whether you're a problem or not. Let's do what we just did with what we're talking about, put a little optimism on it and be like, but you can be part of the solution. And the solution is not just, well, don't You yourself don't do these bad things. The solution is so much bigger than that. How do we get individuals to get out of their own heads and get out of their own defensiveness and realize like I can be a part of change that is bigger than me. It's not just me picking up my litter, right? It's not just me not assaulting somebody.
1: We have to be willing to address what's going on in their heads and the barriers. The idea they want to be part of the solution is nice. It carries no weight if a barrier says there's too much risk in being part of the solution. Mm -hmm. The the risk will weigh over the solution promise any day of the week. So what the problem is, is most people out there aren't talking about that risk. They're painting the fairy tale example of if you do everything right, everything will work out great. So be the Mm -hmm. hero. This is actually a phrase that I rant against. I think people in the bias intervention world should stop calling people heroes or courageous. Because mm. it allows the audience to think, I'm not courageous, I'm not a hero, therefore I don't need to intervene. That's not yeah. who I am. And people go, but, but I'm empowering them to be courageous and a hero. You're not with them at 11 o'clock at night or one in the morning when this is happening. Right. So if they think they have to be a hero, you've, you've raised the stakes of what it's going to take for them to do anything. Mm-hmm. So what I do is the opposite. I say just as a human being.
0: It's <laughs> a bunch of pieces of garbage, you know. <laughs>
1: As a human being, <laughs> yeah, and here's yeah, the exact yeah. question I ask from, from the stage, because right. my programs, I think you're aware, I'm not a lecturer. I am a conversationalist with an audience, mm-hmm. and that could be 500, 5,000, or 50, but I say to the audience, and I ask them to verbally respond, you're in a situation where somebody's vulnerable and dangerous to being harmed, and you have the opportunity to make a positive impact. Is it your responsibility to do something as a fellow human being, yes or no. James, what do you think? 90% of audiences yelled at that. Uh, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah. So what I just did was help them overcome their barrier. Because mm-hmm. before that, they're saying none of my business. But wait, let me be very clear. You're a human being. It's weird. When you say human being, people forget to be human, to be humane. Mm-hmm. So by bringing that forward, I don't have to be courageous. I just have to be human. Right. Humans care and they go, no, p- human beings don't care. That's not true. You'd be a sociopath if you didn't have empathy. That's a mm-hmm. fact. So, <laughs> and, and, and we tell audiences that if you're going, yeah. I don't care about other people, odds are you do. And that's why you're telling us you don't care because right. somebody who doesn't care doesn't tell me they don't care.
0: Right. Yeah. If, you, for if you're sure. like,
1: I don't care what you're saying. Well, you're yeah. certainly fired up for not caring. Okay. So, <laughs> so clearly you care. So what we have to do is help people understand that empathy is natural It's built into our uh, elements so that we do this for each other to survive as a species. So then you get people to say, yes, that is my business. All right. Now, who are you choosing to be in that moment? And you just sit and be quiet. Mm. Who are you choosing? Yeah. And then they have to think about it. Who am I going to be in that moment? Your fear is that you're going to embarrass yourself versus somebody being raped. Yeah. You fear is they're going to hit you. If they're going to hit you for checking in, what are they going to do to that person? So we have to have these real conversations and call it out. Yeah. So that they can see, yeah, I don't want to be, I don't want to be that version of me. I choose to be the person who at least does something. Yeah. And because that's who I am versus it's because that's what Mike told me from stage. Right. Who are you at your core?
0: That's beautiful, brother. It's, it's beautiful. And it's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's hitting me, it's hitting me right where it's supposed to hit me right now. It's a, it's a conversation that I often, I talk to, I talk to men about mental health a lot. um, And, and the, one of the ways that I put it is, are you choosing cool or are you choosing great? Right. And that person yeah. that's out here, that's like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't care. I don't have feelings about other people. I don't care. Right. It's like, all right, you, you're choosing cool right now right? You're not choosing great. Um, and, and saying that it's not your problem, it's somebody else's, or, you know, you've done all you can. That's cool. That's not great. Um, and, uh, and, and I love, uh, yeah, I, I love the way that you have, uh, just articulated things that can happen to actually get individuals to own that they can play a really powerful role um, right. That yes. just not doing something, uh, is not enough, right? No, that's right. And, yes.
1: Yeah. Well, and what I love about what you're doing, James, is you're naming and labeling, which is so important, right? By saying cool or great, I have a choice. Mm-hmm. So everything, every ounce of my core in what I teach is about choice. The moment somebody loses choice, they're, they're going to feel they've lost being seen and valued. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so You're giving them a choice. Which am I choosing? Cool or great. Right. So by, by naming and labeling, that's just awesome and powerful how you do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's also why you wrote your book. Can I kiss you? Right. That choice right around consent. uh, And uh, yeah. Um, Yeah. That's beautiful. It's also why you sell underwear on your website. (laughs) Uh, Mike, I don't know if, don't know if you've I been on your you, own website I love, recently. Oh, I just like those. Are you kidding
1: me? So You know how <laughs> underwear long on been... the
0: headset that said, "Do you want some action?" Yeah, I think. Uh... Let, let, let's go
1: there. I love this conversation. So I created those a long time ago. So I started yeah. with T-shirts that say, "Can I kiss you?" and on the front with the lips, and then on the back it says, "Do you ask? Take a moment to care." Then we created a shirt that says, "Want some action?" Mm-hmm. And people were be, I love the front of the shirt. The back says. Take the time to ask, respect yourself, your partner, the answer, that, that's the back. So really powerful educational shirts. Yes. And then I think somebody was joking, like, imagine if you had boxers like that. And so I immediately created them. And then we thought, well, wait, boxers aren't all inclusive. So then we had hot shorts, uh-huh. booty shorts. People call them all different words. People want to call them sure, yeah, huggies. Yeah. Um, you'd be amazed how audiences want to win of all ages. <laughs> The boxers and the hot shirts. Now, when I say all ages, those are not given out in high schools and middle schools. I don't want somebody watching this going, "He's never okay. coming to our high school." <laughs> yeah. Those, are, those are never, ever, yeah. ever near a high yeah. school, or middle stick school. To the show. t-shirts. There, it's yeah. the t-shirt. It's the can. I t-shirt, t-shirt only, actually. Yes. Um, now at universities, U.S. military. I've got fifty-year-old people going, "I want the hot shirts. I want the boxers." Like we, we just had a school. I can't make this up. Yesterday, James, who I've been at this school for. I don't know, 15 straight years, they text and say, will you please throw in more hot shorts? Our students just every year talk about them when you're gone. So what, what's great about the hot shorts and the boxers is, is on the front, right where a pocket would normally be on a short, uh, it does say, want some action. But on the back, right across the whole back rear end, in huge letters, it says, ask first. Mm. And then right below that, it says, respect the answer. Now, why is this funny? Because think of the double entendre occurring. If you're looking at someone's rear end and it says, ask first. <laughs> and this is only, you're only wearing it if you're choosing to wear it for a partner. Yeah. So this is all consensual and they yeah. get to have a ton of fun with it. So uh, yeah, that that's why we do it. We want them thinking this is fun. Yeah. Consent is fun. Respect is fun because it is when it's lived properly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is why I think myself and your fellow speaker friends always like to say, oh, Mike Domish, he puts the ass and ask for <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> So so here's here's the last concept that I want to that I want to end on is that uh, respect is something that can be learned at any age. Right, I mean, or you know, we watch it. My my parents just met their first ever transgendered person in real life, right? And we had a really cool, powerful conversation because they were out here visiting us in the, in in uh, St. Paul, and and our friend came over, and and they had never met someone who was they them pronouns before, and it was really awesome, right? They just hung out, and had a cool conversation, and then afterwards, my dad and I played golf the next day, and we had like a forty five minute drive to a course, and I was like, so dad how was that right like how was that experience and so like you you know respect you can learn at at any age yes. um and and so uh And it is also something that is frequently taught uh, to us when we are young. Right. That's when that's when it's established. Like you said, that's when we start pouring the concrete in the foundation. Um, And so respect falls back to, in my eyes, it's one of those it's one of the big components under the word character. Um, And and I don't I notice that we don't we don't necessarily teach character a lot anymore. Um, and, and when you think about it, like as someone who I am, I'm someone who is a non-church going individual or a uh, synagogue or I don't, I don't, uh, I don't go to church or anything like that. <clears throat> um, and so outside of religious institutions um, and, and some of those kind of places, I don't know where character and respect are being taught besides obviously like like what you talked about as uh, as growing up lead, you know leading by example for sure um, but there's power in the conversation there's power in the critical thinking there's power in uh, you know what would you do how would you handle it uh, kind of kind of moments and so you know I'm wondering for you uh, putting your parent and now grandparent hat on uh, which I just still, still can't believe um, but uh you know and putting and putting those hats on how do you uh, how no how would you recommend that parents teach things like character, like respect, like how do we how do we start those conversations in the home?
1: Well, I want to honor the conversation because I love where it's heading. So, how do you define it? What's your definition when you ask me how I would teach character? What is character?
0: I think character is uh, that's a great question. Probably should have had that one loaded. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, character, <laughs> um, uh, character is someone who, um, uh, to use an improv term, someone who plays to the top of their intelligence. Um, right. Someone who, uh, that doesn't mean that do you, mean, are, do you mean the
1: full, the full holistic intelligence,
0: the full holistic
1: intelligence. Okay.
0: Yeah. Cause I think a lot of times when we see people choosing to be cool, they're not playing to the top of their intelligence. Right. right. It's like, or, or
1: I'm playing to my, IQ intelligence and looking down on you.
0: Right. Sure. 100%. Yes. Um, So, yeah, but uh, I think it is, it is uh, playing uh, playing at the top of your intelligence. It is, it's teaching respect. It's teaching humanity. Um, You know, where do we fit into the world Um, and uh, and having great character um, is someone who uh, carries themselves in a way where they, uh, where they care right? They care about, uh, their fellow humans. Um, they care about what they care about. Um, and, uh, and they, they life is done a little bit more intentionally. I think when you are living, uh, with character, um, respect plays a huge role in it, um, in the way that we talk and listen to each other. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's, that's my loosely defined spur of
1: the moment answer. I love it. Uh, so for me, That means, am I teaching my children, my grandchildren, people I have opportunity to influence, how to lead with love and empathy for all human beings? And if I do that, character will always rise. But I have to lead with it. I have to choose it. I have to be intentional. And that's why I love that you brought up the word intentional. Am I operating from my soul or from my brain, right? Those all operate or am I using both at the highest level? Mm -hmm. Um, But am I leading with love and empathy right now? or with disgust, or with disdain, or with approving. Uh, in our world of speaking, so many speakers are telling an audience instead of showing. 100%. So how are you showing are what is being discussed on that stage and in your life? Uh, and that was a big wake-up call for me I, when I realized, wait, I'm doing a lot of telling. Where's the showing? Uh, mm-hmm. And so I, I think it's how are we showing, not just others in our world, how to live, how are we showing ourselves our own character? Mm-hmm. Cause if I'm proud of who I am and the choices I'm making each day, there's probably a good chance. And I'm leading with love and empathy in doing that, that I'm operating at a very high level. There's a good, ch- there's a better opportunity for that. Yeah. Now, where do we do that? We can only control the self. So that comes down to me as a human being. And how do I make that choice each day? How do I not just for my grandkids, but for any child, for mm-hmm. any adult, for any person on the Internet? Uh, there are people that trigger me by with the beliefs they sometimes express and to still lead with love for that person. That's a choice. Yes. And sometimes I fail and hopefully more often I, I succeed.
0: Mm-hmm. Mike, this has been a gosh darn pleasure brother. Uh, I love, uh, I love the way that you just put that, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of what you said comes back to role modeling, which makes sense. It's the way you learned a lot of what you have learned as well. And and it does speak to leading by example uh, to all the parents out there, myself included. That just feels like more pressure. And that's cool. That's fine. <laughs> we'll handle it. Um, it's like, yeah, no, be a better human. You want to raise better humans? Be a better human. Um, I, and I, actually like-
1: want, I want to use a more coarse phrase f- as a parent all right, that we should be told more often as parents, get over yourself. Yes. What that kid's going time. through. Yeah. <laughs> get over yourself. And it's not that big of a deal. I needed to believe that more often as a parent than I did. Mm-hmm. I stressed way more than I should have. So when parents tell me, hey, your kids are all at that age, what would you say? That it's going to be okay. Okay it's going to be okay. If you lead with love and empathy, it's going to be okay. And look, if your kids make choices that you don't agree with, you don't align with, that's because they're a human being. They're not a robot. You didn't do everything your parents wanted to do. So stop thinking it's about you. Mm -hmm. If they make choices that are harmful, even it isn't about you. It's about Mm -hmm. them. So you have to understand this isn't all about us. And that's why I went back to, it comes about, we only control the individual ourselves. So stop thinking we control all these other people and we have to, and all the drama around all of that and everything else that we all get sucked into. Mm -hmm. Wait a second. I don't have control over that. I can choose how I treat those individuals though.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I want to add one other word that I think belongs in there of love, empathy, um, that also continues to, to, to further uh, heighten your point is
1: curiosity. Yeah.
0: Love, empathy, and curiosity. So Um, I, so Blair Dunkley,
1: yeah, Blair Dunkley is an expert that teaches these mind models. And and one of them is that the two basic human emotions that are key to human existence Mm -hmm. is curiosity to seek understanding. And that from infant you do not grow without it, right? You try to walk because you're trying to get to the next place, that's a sense of understanding. You learn if you touch the, the you know, your finger on the, the burner, it burns, so you have as an understanding, I don't do that. But it took curiosity to get the understanding. right? And I teach this, and I teach this in, I teach this concept, not his mind models at all, but he's brilliant at what he does. Uh, but I talk about those people. Are you leading with curiosity or are you leading to prove? Prove means I'm here to prove a point. Curiosity means I want to understand where you're coming from so that I have a better understanding of who you are and how I can support you in this planet. And so I love that you brought up curiosity because it's all about it to seek understanding. Yeah
0: yes brother yeah curiosity is my is uh, my jam right now I love it. Um, I think uh, yeah I'm, I'm actually working on a brand new keynote around it um, and stuff like that spoiler alert <laughs> but uh, very yeah. cool um, so it's it's top top of mind for me uh, and I'm trying to interject it and everything so uh, Mike this has been so awesome getting to hang out with you getting to know you better thank you again for you know being vulnerable let us in a little bit more about your family um, and and some of the the trauma that's there and and, and a lot of the love that is there. That's really, it's really beautiful. And, uh, you're incredible at what you do. And thanks so much for hanging out with me in the diner here today, man.
1: Well, I love what you've created here, James. So thank you. I, I look forward to having more weather, you know, on air, off air, more conversations. Cause I, I, I told you in Vegas and I'll say it again today. I just love your spirit, your soul of both you and Tina. I think it, you it's just a welcoming place to be. Thank you, brother. I appreciate
0: yep. it. We're one state away, so we really don't have too much of
1: excuse. No, Yeah, exactly. We're five <laughs> hours is all we are. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's it. Uh, I love it. Mike, tell people where they can uh, where they can link up with you, please.
1: Yeah. Easiest way is just go to my website, Center for Respect. Spell it all out, just like it sounds, centerforrespect.com or across social media at Mike Respects. And the reason it's Mike Respects is because ain't nobody going to spell my name right. So uh, it's at Mike Respects on Instagram, on Twitter, on everywhere, on Facebook. Uh, You can find me in all those places.
0: Awesome. Brother, thank you one more time for hanging out with you here in the diner. It's been so special. Thank you, James. Y'all, that was my time with my boy Mike Domish hanging out in the diner talking about respect, talking about accountability, talking about how do we show up and be a fellow human being that cares about other human beings, even if we're not the one who's potentially the problem. Uh, We are always uh, welcome to be part of the solution. Uh, and it has been, uh, just just, a great episode. This one got me fired up. It's got me thinking a lot about, you know, the parenting of my, of my son and also, uh, just thinking about the grace that I need to give myself as well. Uh, and the grace that you need to give you my friends, it's been so special hanging out with you here in the diner until next time. Remember to keep punching small talk in the face by asking meaningful questions. You all take care. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Diner Talks with James. It was so much fun getting to hang out with you and finish our milkshakes in that squeaky red leather booth. (laughs) (laughs) If you do me a favor and smash that subscribe button, that would be dope. And also, if you could leave a review on iTunes, well, (laughs) come on now, you're going to make me blush. (laughs) Also, if you want to be a part of the action, we record these live on YouTube Live every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Go to YouTube and type in James T. Robo and smash that red subscribe button so you know when we go live next. Also, while we're on the subject, I'm James James T. Robo all over the internet. I post meaningful content on Instagram, witty content on Twitter. Let's get connected in some other places, folks. And as always, if you're interested in learning more about the guest tonight, please check out the show notes. My friends, until next time, keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions. Y'all take care.